Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Villanova Basketball Report live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Kevin Long here. And it's a brand new season for us as we turn into the new year away from the Nittany Lions Sports Report and into Villanova basketball. So excited to be here. We'll have correspondents Kevin McClernand and Tom Trainer with us over the course of the year. Looking forward to have some great guests on over the course of the year, including Derek Gerberich of Stathouse Analytics. But really for us, it's about recapping where we are to this point, where the Villanova Wildcats program is, previewing some upcoming games, and unfortunately in this particular episode talking about a bit of a setback after a strong start to the season. A Marquette team led by Marcus Howard, National Player of the Year candidate, had 29 points, just barely bested his average for the year at about 25 points per game. He's incredible, and Villanova was in a hole very early in that game. Coming off two very strong wins against the number one team in the country, Kansas at home at the Wells Fargo Center, and then against a very solid Xavier team at home at Finner and Pavilion. It really looked like this team uh, was finding its footing, and I still don't necessarily think that the loss to Marquette spells doom by any stretch or that they're not growing, but more a reminder of how young this team is. Kevin, your thoughts on this season so far, where the team is, and anything glaring in your mind? Yeah, Bob, first of all, thank you for having me back. Excited to be back here for another season of the Villanova Basketball Report. Uh, great time here to pick it up just as we're getting into conference play in a very, very strong Big East conference this year. Uh, really excited to see what that's going to bring us. And, uh, yeah, you you nailed it right on the head. This is a very young team who has shown their inexperience throughout the start of this season. Big loss to Ohio State early in the year. Um, a, a good loss to a team, I would say, in Baylor, who's having a very, very strong year right now. Um, and then a little slip up against Marquette, who is also a very strong and talented team. Uh, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them. They played a very strong game, especially Marcus Howard. That first half, he was completely unstoppable. There's there's nothing that they could do to stop him. Uh, couldn't figure out who to put on him on defense. You know, we, we put our best player in Sadiq Bay on him, and that just got him into foul trouble early and made him ineffective throughout the game. Uh we really had no answer for him. So Marquette is a very dangerous team with Marcus Howard, and they're going to be a big threat in the Big East. But, uh, you know, this team, again, very inexperienced, very interested to see how they develop throughout this season. Brian Antoine, who came in as the most highly rated player in this class, is still very early in his stages of development. It would be interesting to see how he comes along. Robinson Earl has had a good start to the season. Justin Moore has had what I would consider a pretty good start so far. He uh, has been up and down, showing his inexperience. Sometimes he'll go off for 25, sometimes he won't show up, and so that's all part of the learning curve. But overall, a good start for this young Villanova Wildcats team who will likely return all their guys next season as well. Yeah, that was the thought, right, is who will they return next year? And the thought was Brian Antoine might be the one to jump. I, I haven't seen that yet. Nobody has. You can see that he has bounce in his step, but that long injury that prohibited him from getting involved in the early fall workouts in the first part of the schedule, I think, is holding him back a little bit. I think if you're worried about anyone potentially leaving for the draft this year, I think the best-case scenario is Sadiq Bay. Mm -hmm. I don't see anybody else even sniffing the draft from this team at the moment. 
Uh, no one is quite playing up to that level. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl certainly has not proven enough as a freshman to get him to that next level right away. So I, I very much expect to have the same team back with hopefully a few additions as well. That said, with Robinson Earl, he is, in my mind, a tremendous player and already one of the better big men in the Big East. Now, I know there's a difference between that and being a lottery pick in the NBA, but he has been tremendous. And I thought his development and his beginning as a college freshman was impressive. I mean, this was a team that was struggling off the bat. That loss to Ohio State stings. Certainly, they've grown a lot since then, and Ohio State's lost a, f- a few games. They're both different teams than that initial trip to Columbus. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl was one of the guys in that game that I thought was ready for the college game at a very high level. And I think that's continued over the course of the regular season. So uh, while I, I don't think what you were saying was insulting in any way, obviously, there's a difference between a draft pick and a really strong college player. I think Robinson Earl, and I'm going to defend Justin Moore a little bit here. Certainly, I think times defensively, he can be a little bit of a liability. And I think certainly from a turnover's perspective, he needs to make sure that he is all buttoned up. But I see him as a guy that runs the offense quite well. I like when he's out on the floor. And I have trouble, you know, really understanding where the – where the games where he struggles, where that comes from. Because for me, he's a guy that can drive to the basket. He can distribute. He can certainly shoot. But he's an elite finisher at the rim, I think, already as a freshman. The strength of that guard reminds you of a Randy Foy type of player. And I think he has a chance, if he stays for long enough, to be one of the all-time greats here at Villanova and part of a special class as it grows here. Yeah, uh, so back to the Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I definitely agree with you that he has stepped up as a freshman, done very well. You know, I don't want my comment to be taken as sure, sure. he has not started well. He's leading the team in rebounds right now with just over nine rebounds per game, good for third in the NCAA among freshmen right now. So certainly making large contributions at the moment, doing very well for this Villanova basketball team. Uh, and Justin Moore, my my thought on him is that He's being asked to do things that he's not used to doing because we just don't have the ball handlers right now. You know, outside of Colin Gillespie, he's the next guy, and there's really not even anybody close to taking over that role. You know, you look at Sadiq Bay, Jermaine Samuels, you know, those aren't going to be your primary ball handlers, even Cole Swider. So now what you're seeing is not only is, you know, Justin Moore not, uh, t- not, you know, taking those shots where you would like him to, but he's not even starting for this team because mm-hmm. you can't put Cole Swider as the second team point guard. You need somebody, and that guy is more right now. So I think he's being asked to play more of a point guard role where, as you referenced, like a Randy Foy or an Allen Ray, he's more of a shooting guard type. So I think he's trying to figure out how to combine his strengths with what this team really needs from him. Really interesting you say that. This is a Villanova team last year that struggled to find a true point guard as well. And it looked like it might have been Javon Quinterly for a while, and certainly Quinterly no longer with the program, and I think the program most stakeholders would say better off without at this point. 
Colin Gillespie, though, when he played off the ball, when Phil Booth was the point guard, not saying that there were a ton of passes when Phil Booth was playing point guard, but Colin Gillespie was better off the ball. Now Colin Gillespie, I think, bigger, stronger, more apt to be the point guard, and he has done a great job, I think, of that, running the offense. Same thing, perhaps, with Moore. Though I, again, though I think I give him a bit more credit for how he does run the offense when he's the point guard, perhaps than you are. I, I tend to really like the guy, um, and I think he can be a really good point guard and maybe next year continues to improve. But, uh, I, again, this is one of the guys that I look at and say, wow, this guy came ready to play college basketball, strong, tough, can finish, and I think can distribute, of course, acknowledging your point that he can get a little bit better at running the offense truly. But, uh, you know, I don't know that that has even been – um, my biggest gripe with, with, with any of the guys on that team, I think more a strength at his relative position relative to some of the other guys we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say relative, especially to you know some of the other guys in you know his class and the class above him, he has come in very strong. He has come in and contributed right away with a couple of good games very early on in the season. Uh, I think he has a little bit of that Phil Booth-ism to him when he you know sometimes will take uh, an inadvertent shot, not the one that Jay is necessarily looking for. Um, so I, I think that is, again, something that's going to come with experience, something that he's going to learn throughout his career. But, um, yeah, not to take anything away from guys like Earl and Moore who have contributed on a high level early on in the season. You know, you compare that to uh, Brian Antoine, who was obviously hampered by an injury early in the year. But, you know, to, to Moore and Earl's credit, they are contributing in meaningful ways early on in their freshman year. One thing I want to talk about here with this Villanova team is the defense. And you may not necessarily think it after that first half against Marquette, but this is a team that the defense has really been the anchor of the team. And the games they've won, you think about Kansas where neither team got to 60 points. You think about Xavier, where the Musketeers squeaked past 60 points in the last minute of that basketball game. This Villanova team is really strong defensively. We're going to talk about it in our V's and O's segment. We'll go to the whiteboard in the second segment of the show, and we're going to talk about what is a strength of this team and how the defense works. We've talked about variations of this over the years on this show, but we're going to talk about the free switching of this man-to-man. And they have tried zone from time to time, but this is really a man-to-man program, has been for as long as Jay Wright has been here. The zone has been to supplement maybe a couple games a year where they really need a switch and really need a spark. But I'm going to talk about free switching, how guards have to be tough and how it's a mindset to go down and take on a big man if that's indeed where the switch dictates they go, and how the help defense allows Villanova to be chaotic essentially defensively, send a double at the right time, and recover at the perimeter, and how that's been a real strength for them this year. But defensively, Kevin, this Villanova team against Kansas, against Xavier, really I thought came into its own. Marcus Howard, a little bit of a different animal. He's more of that individual player, creates space on the floor, does grab that double and is a much underrated passer uh, compared to what I think the national pundits will give him. He's thought of as that pure score. Again, I, I think you almost throw away the tape on that Marquette game and think about how strong this defense is as a whole. No doubt lessons to take away from that, but uh, a very strong defensive team 
And this year will go as that defensive unit continues to develop and, and really no further. Yeah, I, I was certainly impressed during that Kansas game. Not not necessarily Villanova's best effort on offense, but absolutely had a, a stellar game on defense, especially with the way that they were able to contain Doka Azubuki, which is going to be an issue moving forward for Villanova um, from what I see, especially after that Marquette game where they weren't able to guard Theo John all that well. Um, is, is a little scary thought. We don't have that big guy anymore. We don't have that Armari Spellman to who can guard uh, Udoka Azubuki. We have, you know, Sadiq Bey at many times as our biggest guy on the floor. So it's uh, it's going to be a challenge, I, I think, for this team throughout the year. But as Jay Wright always does, he finds creative ways to create a mismatch on his own end. He's got the more athletic guys on the floor, you, you get a guy like Azubuki. Now he needs to stretch the floor in a way that he's not comfortable with yep. on defense. And Jay has always done a great job of uh, figuring out you know how to exploit that. Um, and then he's got some guys who just buy into his program, like Jermaine and Sadiq Bey, who just will find a way to guard that big guy. He'll get physical, get tough do what they got to do to guard a guy who's four or five inches taller than him. Yep, and again, that'll all be part of the V's and O's segment. And I'm glad you got where you were going there in the second half of that. I was going to interrupt you there. I don't think Villanova has ever, even when it was Omari Spellman, even when it was Eric Pascal, I never thought that those big guys did a, fan, a phenomenal job of individually guarding guys like Azubuki and guys like Theo John. They guarded those guys by getting them out of the game, and that was offensively driven in many cases. I think back to that sem national semifinal game, the Final Four game against Kansas, and Azabuki could not guard Omari Spellman, who was knocking down threes at the outside. It just didn't work for Kansas to pick up full court because Azabuki couldn't guard him away from the basket, and his own defense wasn't going to work because Villanova was just pouring in threes from deep. Theo John, in years past, has had historic foul trouble against Villanova. And it's because on high ball screens, the penetrators, the dribblers, would attack the outside hip of Theo John and get him into foul trouble. And so Theo John always, in my mind, gave Villanova a lot of trouble, even in past years. But Villanova was able to get him out of the game via that foul trouble and also having to guard guys beyond the perimeter. So really, Villanova's best defense against those big guys was creating those mismatches, the four-out, one-in offense, where that true four or five for Villanova was a guy that could stretch the floor and hit threes. To your point, that isn't the case right now. Also, the physicality isn't there right now. So the offense getting Azabuki or a guy like him out of the game and the physicality getting Theo John in foul trouble or someone like him out of the game Neither of those are quite there at this point. Azubuki was a force in that Kansas game and really was a big part of the reason Kansas was right there. Even in a low-scoring tilt, he was effective. That wasn't the case two years ago. Theo John, very effective against Villanova last weekend. That was not the case even last year. Right, absolutely. And, and the other thing to, to go with that, when Villanova is trying to exploit those big guys, when they – uh, are playing that style of basketball. Uh, obviously, in the past, we've we've shot at a little higher percentage. We, uh, we're we struggling a little bit with that this year, I would say. We have some good shooters. Cole Swider has really come out of the mm. woodwork this year. Great catch-and-shoot guy. You don't want him putting the ball on the turf yet, no. but, man, he can catch-and-shoot. 
Absolutely. Colin Gillespie showing to be, you know, Ryan Archidiacono part two, more or less. Yeah. Uh, the similarities are, you know, very scary, honestly. They're basically the same player, it seems like. If um, you're playing Villanova basketball, bingo, you won. Ryan Archidiacono and Colin Gillespie. <laughs> that's right. Um, so both been shooting at a high level. At, you know, even Jermaine Samuels mm-hmm. hitting a few here and there, which is an improvement from, from years past. He's another guy you don't really want putting the ball on the floor, but does take it to the hoop pretty strong every once in a while. So anyway, a uh, little different team that we're working with right now. Um, but good to see that Jay Wright is still, uh, you know, up to his same antics, doing the same things, trying to exploit teams in ways to uh, make up for the lack of size on this Villanova team. Uh, Jermaine Samuels is an enigma. I tell you what, he he really is. I I have spent now the better part of two and a half years uh, talking about how I don't think that this guy can play at the college level. And, there are so many times where I've been vindicated in that. Uh, decisions he makes there out on the floor are absolutely bewildering. However, I am coming around. I'm just going to call him an enigma. He's a guy that can absolutely light it up somehow, some way. He feels it. He makes a good impact on the game. He is a good rebounder. I'll certainly give him that. But then there are times that he'll just dribble, double dribble the ball in the middle of the floor for no reason whatsoever. He'll throw it to the other team in times where uh, a CYO kid wouldn't make that play. And it's just one of those things where you don't know what you're going to get, not just game to game, but play to play. So I'm willing to admit a mistake that, that I think he can play at this level. I just, you don't know which Jermaine Samuels you're going to get. Is he going to win the game for you on a heroic three and a couple big rebounds and a big take to the basket? Or is he going to lose it with three turnovers late in the game? And I don't know what the answer to that is on a game-to-game basis. So I'm not fully taking responsibility, uh, exonerating myself, but but I do believe that um, he is an enigma, maybe in every sense of the word. He's he's a good athlete, and I'll <laughs> say the one, the one thing you uh, maybe left out is he's a good defender as he well. He is a good defender. He, he but, but, but. He does this thing where, like, you feel like his blood pressure is rising a little bit, and he wants to defend somebody so hard out at the perimeter, and and just without fail commits some stupid hand check foul against some guy that was never going to launch a three anyway. Continue. That is true. That is true. That maybe fifty fifty does that. Fifty <laughs> fifty is a very good defender. He is. No, he um, actually is. And you really just don't feel all that comfortable with him with the ball in his hands. And you can tell he feels the same way. He gets the <laughs> ball and he's like kind of nervous and it's either, it's either going up, it's going to be passed or he's taking it straight to the hoop. You know, he's not just kind of hanging out by the arc waiting for his shot. I'm going to dribble around you. It's, you know, I'm headed straight to the basket or putting it up or passing it right away. So he's still trying to, to find his comfort level uh, I don't know that the college game has ever really slowed down for him in that in that sense, uh, and I think he's still trying to find himself, especially as a ball handler right now. But in every other sense, has truly improved, come a long way. You get the sense that he's a guy that follows Jay around, does everything he's asked, and and really just is a committed guy to this team because the level of improvement over the past three, three years has really been unmatched by r- anybody else on the team, I would say. You, you look at uh, one of his classmates, Demir Cosby-Rantree, yeah. they started about the same spot, not getting much time, really not expected to contribute, and 
you know, now here we are. Jermaine is starting every game, and Demir is probably getting two, three minutes a game at this point because he's been willing to put in the time and work. And not to say that Demir has not. I don't know the backstory of that, but Jermaine is just one of those guys. It's a feel-good story. He worked his way, worked hard, and found himself in the starting lineup here for the last two years of his career. Yeah, Demir Cosby Roundtree is another interesting one. Newman Goretti guy, local guy, was a tremendous high school player. But even back then, you're looking at him saying, hmm, has every athletic tool that you think he'd l- that you'd like, not a great offensive player. Good shot blocker, o- you know, okay rebounder, and, and really was a pretty good rebounder last year. A little soft inside, turns the ball over offensively, and defensively, though a good rebounder, spatially speaking, is a liability out there. And we've talked about liabilities defensively a couple times here today. Demir Cosby Roundtree, I thought and think, has the ability to be a great defender, just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I, I think the thing I think about is guys who have developed, big guys especially, who have developed at Villanova over the past few years. You look at like Muftal Yaru. Uh, you know, started at a different place, but Daniel Chefu and how they've come along. And you think about who's missing, Baker Dunleavy, over the past few years. You yep. wonder, he was, quote-unquote, the you know, the big man guru. That's the way he was thought of. And you wonder if that has had any effect on uh, Demir's development over the past few years and what kind of player maybe he would have been with, with Baker Dunleavy. Obviously, an incredible coach, did a lot of great things for this Villanova team and uh, you know, still doing some good things up at Quinnipiac as well. I like that. I'm going to let that sit for a second. Yeah, Bake, I mean, Baker was the guy. Uh, Baker is also a guy under the right circumstances. No time soon. Certainly you would hope that Jay is here for a very, very long time, even from starting today. But Baker would be a guy that you'd love to welcome back into the fold, into the Villanova family in one way, shape, or form. And truly, at this point for him, about the only way that would happen would be as a head coach. Um, tremendous guy, good connections, but just a great basketball mind. One of the smartest guys that you'll ever meet. Was a walk-on at Villanova, obviously. Didn't play a lot of minutes at this level. And, and even it was kind of funny to, to see him initially on the coaching staff, but the Mike Dunleavy connection, both junior and senior, and just being around Jim's every step of the way and being a, a genuinely smart guy, I think, has put him in a spot where he's going to have a wonderful career in basketball, no matter where it is. But for Villanova fans, perhaps sometime down the road, welcome him back home to the main line. Uh, that's a great point about Demir Cosby Roundtree that, honestly, I had not yet considered. Yeah, obviously you hope that we still have Jay Wright for 15, 20 more years, whatever he has left. He's, you know, He definitely has some time here left at Villanova, but uh, it would be uh, an excellent story to see Baker somehow return. Uh, at some point, I think he will get a, another opportunity, probably beyond you know, his current role before he eventually makes that transition to Villanova, uh, probably tr- looking to move up to one of the big, uh, you know, big five conference schools um, before he eventually takes over at Villanova. But I think it's something that the alumni and the students and the fans are all expecting that one day will happen. You know, a young guy, probably in his late 30s at this point, uh, a lot of time left coaching, has already proven himself uh, to do well at a high level. And, uh, you know, it's something that I'm looking forward to someday 
in the not so near future. Well, it's it's interesting. Jay Wright has put together a pretty darn good coaching tree as well. Everybody talks about the Coach K tree and who's going to take that job. Is it going to be Johnny Dawkins when Coach K leaves? Is it going to be Steve Wojciechowski? Maybe that's the leader in the clubhouse. Tommy Amaker knows how to recruit high academics up to Harvard. I don't know if it's, you know, Duke is still high academic or not, uh, but Tommy Amaker is up there at Harvard and, and Duke is obviously a top tier school. Well, Jay Wright now has a lot of guys as well that have moved on. Ashley Howard doing great things at LaSalle University. Billy Lang right here in Philadelphia as well with St. Joseph's. Baker Dunleavy, you know, and it, and it continues on. And there's going to be more and more guys leaving the program. Uh, perhaps, you know, perhaps it's a George Halkovich at some point. Kyle Neptune might be the next guy to jump. And, of course, there's Mike Nardi as well. So, you know, the longer this continues with Jay right at the helm, the more and more guys are going to take jobs elsewhere. And, and maybe it is a feeding frenzy when he leaves to see who takes over, whether it's a Jay Wright disciple or not. But no reason not to bring any of those three guys back. Really, Ashley Howard and Baker Dunleavy, I would say, would be the, the top two choices. Billy Lang, a little bit older, has had different experiences. And uh, I, I would go with either of those two guys first. But well off topic for this show, but it's a great point you bring up. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing what the future of Villanova basketball is going to bring us. Obviously, these these past 10 years have been excellent for Villanova and, and have really sparked this team. And you know, the, Jay has been able to develop a great coaching staff. So looking forward to seeing him continue to develop guys and see where this brings our program in the future. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll have V's and O's where we go to the whiteboard and break down one concept of Villanova basketball. Today it's going to be the defense. We talked about how good Villanova was leading into that Marquette game, but Marcus Howard can throw off even the best defensive game plan. We'll go back to Xavier, go back to Kansas over the holiday break and discuss what worked so well and how this defense, without the size, can really make life difficult for the opposing big man. We'll be right back. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation, our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. Today, on V's and O's, we're going to talk about the man-to-man -man defense for Villanova and, and how it really is successful. So we're going to talk about this team's willingness to switch off high ball screens and how that can put a team in a very difficult position defensively with some mismatches, but how Villanova reacts to it. So let's now... Let's say that uh, this is Azabuki for Kansas, right? The big guy underneath the basket and a guy that's going to be guarded by, in this case, let's go with Sadiq Bey here. And so normally you're going to have Sadiq Bey just right here on Azabuki, uh, not fronting him, but staying behind him in between him and the basket. And you're going to force Azabuki to try to get to the basket there through essentially a brick wall there or try to get his way to the basket by spinning with footwork, etc. That's pure one-on-one, man-to-man defense with the other four guys out there on the perimeter. However, 
what we've seen a lot of teams try to do against Villanova, and it makes sense given some of the size disparity, is send Azabuki right up here to the top. Set a high ball screen. This is going to bring Sadiq Bey up here as well. And this defender comes off the ball screen. Now, Villanova has two choices at this point. Sadiq Bey here has a lot of responsibility. Is he going to hedge and then recover as this defender fights through this screen, maintaining the one-on-one -on -one matchup and Sadiq Bey inside on Azabuki as he slides to the hole? Or, or is what's going to happen a pure switch? What that would mean here, point guard with the basketball, Villanova defender here. Here comes the high ball screen from Azabuki. It's set there, and all of a sudden, Sadiq Bey is now guarding this guy right here. And let's say Colin Gillespie now has to drop down as Azabuki comes here, and now the decision has to be made. Well, Colin Gillespie can't be right here with Azabuki here, he can't just stand in between Azabuki and the basket and not expect Azabuki to back him down and score that way. So what Colin Gillespie has to do is now front Yudoka Azabuki. And that's going to look a little something like this. Azabuki here on his back and Gillespie fronting him. Azabuki asking for the ball. Well, now what happens? Everybody else has to cheat here. Defender here comes in just the least bit. He's going to need to react here to the corner as needed because this defender has to slide down and provide at least a deterrent for that ball being lobbed over the top to Azabuki. That defender needs to come in there and make that interception if possible. And really, it's one of those things where if you don't have the size, it's about a grit and an effort and which team, one, is smarter and two, has more effort and is going to make things difficult because every time of the week... This should work, even if it is Jermaine Samuels coming down, even if it is uh, Justin Moore sliding down here, as Buki can, and it sometimes did in that Kansas game, get the ball, emits the double team, swim through, slam it with two hands. However, Villanova also got their share of turnovers uh, when, they, when they were employing it against this particular offensive set and, uh, and were successful as a result. Now let's take a look at something else. Same concept. All of a sudden, the defender comes in here, and Azabuki slides, you know, let's say it slides out this way, right? The double teams here, this point guard is trying to decide what to do with the basketball, and everybody's out of position a little bit defensively. There's a mismatch up here. This defender here is trying to make a decision, having to slide in between two defenders. So a way to beat this defense is for this ball right off the screen to come to this wing three right here. He's got two options. Does he go extra pass to the corner as this defender has to come out here to guard? Or does he pump fake it, forcing this defender to make a decision and launch it up? Or does he go one pass here? This guy can drive to the basket. Here comes this collapsing defender. Where's Azabuki at this point? Still on Colin Gillespie, unless Sadiq Bey has found a way back down into the lane. So, again, a lot of moving parts, very fluid here, but it's essentially chaos and recover from a Villanova man-to-man -man defense where they don't have the size to match up with a Theo John or a Yudoka Azabuki, the two examples we've used, two guys that Villanova has had to go up against in recent weeks. In one situation with the Azabuki big man against Kansas, Villanova did an excellent job. Theo John, maybe not so much. The difference there, I think, 
certainly Marcus Howard, a guy that can stretch it from deep, a guy that puts so much pressure on a defense. Kansas didn't have guys that could reliably hit the three on that particular day. So Villanova, pick your poison, certainly. Do you hedge and recover? There's already some mismatches there. Or do you play that pure switch, chaos recover, double team, front the big, and make things difficult, make life difficult for that offensive opposition that you have? It's not going to work every time, but it's something Villanova is very committed to, something they do quite well over the course of a 30-game season, and it takes effort, intensity, and buy-in from the guys for it to work. So it's won a couple of national championships, yes, with the right personnel, but they've found a way uh, to, to kind of out-hustle the other defenses even when the personnel doesn't quite add up. That's the V's and O's segment of our Villanova basketball report. We'll be right back on the other side with some other thoughts about the Cats going forward, including a few huge matchups coming up over the next few weeks. Stay with us. I chose CCM because I have found that this company um, on the level of scaling that we have here, the volume that we are doing, to truly have every department head and employee fully engaged in the mission of the company to make it an originator-focused, um, production-first uh, company. I have not found that anywhere I've worked, and I've worked at one of the largest banks in the world, down to the smallest tiny community bank and correspondent lender. No one has been able to consistently deliver that message. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Villanova Basketball Report. Bob Long, Kevin Long here. So excited that everybody is with us here tonight. Kevin, I know you had some thoughts on the V's and O's report that we just had going through the defensive alignment for the Cats. Yeah, I think this just speaks to – can you hear me? Got you now. I think it just speaks to everything that, that Jay Wright preaches, right? You talk about – we don't have the guys to stack up to their big man, but we're going to find a way. We're going to scrap. We have that attitude. We're going we're gonna to help each other out. And what it comes down to at the end of the day is double teaming that big man down low. You got maybe a small guy like Colin Gillespie fronting him, but then all of a sudden Jermaine Samuels comes in from behind as in front of Azubuki, and you got two guys on him. Maybe he doesn't get as good of a look as he was looking for, and it just goes off the rim. So, uh, you know, I think that was a great V's and O's segment there, Bob. I think you really hit the nail on the head there with Jay Wright and his help defense, and uh, we've seen how that's been able to uh, sustain some of the big men that we have faced uh, in recent weeks, more so as a bookie than Theo John over this past weekend. Without a doubt, and we look forward now to the rest of the Big East schedule, Kevin. It does not get any easier for Villanova. They've won their le well, they've won one of two here over the past week. Xavier and then the loss they lost to Marquette, obviously. We've talked about that over the course of the show, but it really it really doesn't get much easier. Creighton, a trade to Om uh, a trip to Omaha, Nebraska, no thank you. That's never a lot of fun. And then very shortly thereafter, Butler. And Butler is all of a sudden the darling of the revamped restored Big East Conference. They are 14-1, and one, the number six team in the country. They have the most quad one and quad two wins of any team in the country going into a really tough place to play at Villanova. Yeah, recently picked as eighth 
in the conference, I believe, in the yeah. preseason polls. So an incredible season for Butler. But I just want to go down the line here and read the list of Big East basketball standings here, where these teams are right now, just to show you how impressive this this conference has been top to bottom. So you have Seton Hall ten and four, Butler's fourteen and one, Providence nine and six, Marquette eleven and three, Creighton twelve and three, Villanova ten and three, Xavier twelve and three, Georgetown ten and five, St. John's eleven and four, DePaul twelve and three. DePaul, the team that everyone thought was, you know, the pushover in the conference mm-hmm. in years past, no longer is. They're they're zero and two in the conference, but that that means they came in at twelve and one. So Really, an impressive team. Uh, nothing to sneeze at. This there is no easy games in this conference. You're going to lose games to teams that that maybe Villanova thinks that they should be, and it's you know all, I wouldn't say maybe the SEC of basketball, but it's that feel where you have to bring your A game every single night because any team in this conference can beat you. You have some real star power in Miles Powell and Marcus Howard and countless other guys, but but those two guys really stand out in a very, very strong Big East Conference this year. Well, remember as well, Miles Powell has been injured for uh, for some time, and there's been multiple injuries on that Seton Hall team. They're sitting at 10-4, and 2-0 and in the Big East, but the season has almost felt like a disappointment thus far for Kevin Willard after a really close loss to um, to Michigan State and then outplaying Oregon for 38 minutes. And all of a sudden now Howard's hurt a couple other losses. They uh, Did I say Howard? I'm sorry. Miles Powell has hurt a couple of other games that they shouldn't have lost. But he's going to come back. There are other guys getting experience now that otherwise may not have been that's a team I don't want to see in late February. That could very well be the best team in the conference this year. And that, call me crazy, is an Elite Eight or Final Four type team up there in East Orange. That's a scary basketball team. And it's just another rung in the ladder here in the Big East. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. When they get Miles Powell back, look out for the Seton Hall team who is, like you said, already having success, already 2-0 in the Big East. So a really, really dangerous conference. Uh, I think that Villanova has had the benefit over these first four or five seasons in the new Big East of playing against some weaker opponents, really being able to develop into this program where they are today, where they've won the Big East regular season a few years in a row now. Uh, and have been able to you know, get better recruits and now make national title runs year after year. But this Big East Conference has caught up. It's, it's back, really, for all intents and purposes, to where it was in the Pitt, Syracuse, Louisville days, UConn. You know, now you've replaced them with By the Butler, way, where is, where is Pitt, Syracuse, and UConn? Well, that's a great point. That is a great point. They are nowhere near the likes of Butler, Seton Hall, Marquette, Villanova. They they have all completely fallen off. Louisville and the ACC has had some tough times, but they're back now. They're back. That's a really they're, good basketball they're back team. back <laughs> now. But that might maybe, be the best team in the country when they're firing on all cylinders. At, at the end of the day, maybe one of the only ones to really hang on. West Virginia still hanging around. Not, mm. not as good as they were, certainly. Yeah. But uh, like, like you said, absolutely. Not something I necessarily thought about. But a lot of those teams fell off hard. Look at Pittsburgh. Pitt, boy. Yeah. yeah. Cincinnati lost Mick Cronin. That's a big loss there. 
I, I think that's a huge loss over time. I hope they made the right hire for their program, but you know, Mick was fantastic on the heels of Bob Huggins. Probably never really got his due there at Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, yep. That that's a it's a really interesting thing to think about where those programs have gone, and where the strength of and Providence maybe isn't the best example because they aren't having the best year. But Providence has flourished in the new Big East where otherwise they may not have. Yep, and Seton Hall is right there too. I yep. mean, they were. You know, they they were not much of anything for a long time there in the original Big East, and they've really picked up the pieces, and boy, are they a scary team, like you just said. So really good to see some of these teams really coming out strong, and, and you wonder why that is, really. I mean, yes, you can say that the Big East is, on the whole, very experienced right now. They have a lot of, lot of good seniors, a lot of guys who have been around the block for a little while, uh, but you wonder... How, how that happens, how Seton Hall and a Butler, well, Butler was on the way up before, I would say, but even, you know, Providence, Marquette, how these teams have really flourished in the Big East while other teams have really fallen apart. And uh, it's interesting to see that life cycle of college basketball and really try to understand why that is. Uh, you know, you look at this Big East team and every single team in the conference has a chance to play in March this year. Not not a doubt in my mind. You know, maybe the worst case is uh, Providence at, at nine and six right now, but they're two and zero in the conference. So, uh, really, really interesting to see how this Big East is going to play out. And absolutely, the most exciting year for this conference since the original breakup of uh, you know of a few years ago. Should be a lot of fun. Villanova plays Creighton this Tuesday tomorrow night nine o'clock. Georgetown comes to town the following Saturday, which is this coming Saturday. Uh, DePaul is in the mix shortly thereafter. Butler, they'll play them. This should be a really fun time for Villanova basketball. We're going to talk a lot about it over the span of the next few weeks. We'll get Kevin McClernand, Tom Trainer back in the studio talking with those guys about it. Kevin, any thoughts on, on the upcoming week or anything we didn't hit thus far? Uh, I'm really just... Uh, interested to see how this season is going to play out with some of the inexperience that we have. Uh, I think that if you look at the rest of the Big East Conference, we may be one of the least experienced teams. Uh, a lot of these teams, like I said, have good senior leadership, guys who have been there for a long time, and and this season is going to wear on this team because, like we said, this conference is very good. So how are these young guys going to react to that? Are they going to pick themselves back up and get themselves going again if they – do end up losing to Creighton and Georgetown and are all of a sudden on a three-game losing streak uh, or, you know, is, is really going to test their character. So I'm really interested to see how these guys bounce back in a very tough Big East season this year. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's amazing to go beat the number one team in the country, be flying high, and then lose a game on the road at Marquette, an unranked team, but an extremely talented and probably more offensively talented team than Kansas and then be turned around with a, a couple of games against a Creighton team that's not going to be ranked either. But, oh, by the way, 12-3, and three, they got shooters. Greg McDermott does a great job coaching that franchise, a couple other landmine-type games, and then all of a sudden the number six team in the country comes to town. That is just life in the Big East this year. Should be fun. I can't wait to see it unfold. It'll be a great season. It's going to be a great season here with us as well. Kevin Long here, Bob Long, and as I mentioned, we'll have a couple other correspondents over the course of the year. Appreciate you being here, Kevin. Glad we could get this done the first week after the new year, and we're 
all the way through the end of the season for this Cats team. Can't wait to be here all year. It's going to be a great year on the Villanova Basketball Report. Well, thanks for being here with us, everyone. Stay tuned next week. Follow us on Twitter, at Bob Long Sports, on Facebook, at Bob Long Sports as well. You can follow us on YouTube. Join our page there. It's getting old, but you get the point. Bob Long Sports and also our iTunes and SoundCloud profile. You can probably guess how to search us on there. We'll put content up there if you're a drive-to-work guy, drive-home-from-work guy, and you, you, you don't want to, uh, to, listen, to watch the broadcast, you can listen to it. And if you're a, a, a watch-it-on-Facebook gal, you can do the same thing. Twitter, find your way there. Lots of ways to stay involved. So for Kevin Long, I'm Bob Long saying so long here from Bluebell, Pennsylvania. And once again, you've been watching the Villanova Basketball Report here on Bob Long Sports.